Welcome to this week's Energy Show. Now, this week, we're going to be talking about vampires, energy vampires. I know it's not Halloween yet, but I guarantee that there are dozens of little devices plugged into your home all around the house. Each one of these little electrical devices uses a small amount of, of standby power. That's right. They draw power when they're off. They're sucking power all night long, all day long, and it really adds up. It can cause a nightmare for power geeks like me. Moved into a, an old new house. And this old new house, by the time we kind of got basically things set up, I counted 49 of these little vampire devices around the house. It's even more than my other house. I thought I would be getting more efficient. It's less. So these are things that are plugged into circuits. They're hardwired in like little transformers, power strips, and outlets all over the house. Now, research shows that these plug loads, that's what they kind of call them at the energy commissions, these plug loads are about a third of our total energy consumption. They're sneaking up on us. We used to not have these, and now we do. And more modern houses have even more of these devices. For me, when I kind of calculated, just all these stupid little things that are plugged in are adding up to over $500 a year. So here's what I did. I walked around the house, each room, every room, with a watt meter. We'll talk about what I did more later. And I plugged in the gadget into this little watt meter, and I measured the power consumption. Now, some of these things I couldn't plug in, so I used the standby power devices that Lawrence Berkeley Labs kind of estimated for things like that. And I got a good correlation with what I found. So some things I couldn't measure, but did the best I think. So here's what I found in my house. And I bet you have most of the same stuff. So just kind of looked at all my computer things. I've got an airport express in the den, a couple of airport expresses in the living room, in the office for, you know, to make sure we've got internet coverage there. I've got an airport extreme that kind of is the main router for the house. I've got computer charger in the den, computer charger in the office. These are little things that plug in. And I've got a multifunction laser printer. So each one of these things uses three, four, five, six, seven, and the airport extreme uses eight watts. So adds up to 32 watts of power just from my little consumer com- computer gadgets. All right, let's talk about communications. That's oh, funny. I, don't, I, I no longer have a regular telephone. I no longer have cordless phones that have chargers. But I do have six USB chargers sprinkled around the house. So I just estimated one watt for each of these. And they use a little bit more when they're charging the phone. They use quite a bit less when they don't. But I just counted six watts for that. All right, next for the entertainment system. So cable TV box, that thing should be on pretty much all the time. That's 18 watts. I've got three subwoofers, two in the living room, one in the, the den. That's about 18 watts total. There's the cable modem. I have an LCD TV, which uses six watts when it's off. It uses a lot more when it's on. Um, now, the stereos in my living room and den, I keep those completely off. I've got a, a power strip that automatically shuts down, so I'm not counting those. But just my entertainment stuff, 48 watts. All right, here's another one. These are things that kind of snuck up on me. I didn't expect them. Security system. So the security system has its own separate router, and that's 6 watts. There's three security cameras around the house. Each one's plugged in. They need power. It has backup power, but each one's plugged in. That's a total of 18 watts. And then there's a keypad that's near the door, and that's another 8 watts. So i got 32 watts just for the security system, and you probably have the same thing. You might have a lot more if you have your own security system in a box with a hard drive. All right, kitchen. Now, I'm not going to count when the appliances are running. I'm just going to count when they're off. But the refrigerator's got you know some controls on it. Those are over going. The dishwasher's got little LED lights. The microwave's got LED lights. The coffee grinder, which I really like, is always using power. And the oven's always using power. So I've got 15 watts there. Plus, I've got a wine cooler. And that wine cooler's in the den, but that thing's kind of, you know, extra. It's always running. All right. Now, let's look at the sneaky household appliances that you might not see plugged in. So there's a transformer for the doorbell. I have an old-fashioned doorbell. I have another transformer that's hardwired into a circuit. I can't figure out what it does, but it's on. 
It's not the thermostat transformer, and it's not the doorbell transformer. God knows what it is. Probably just disconnect it and see what breaks. There's a Nest thermostat that's always on. The furnace has a transformer that's always sending power out. The air conditioner compressor, luckily that thing basically doesn't draw any power when it's off. draws a ton of power when it's on, but nothing off. The water heater has an electronic ignition, so there's a control that's always on. The garage door opener uses power all the time because it's listening for the garage door signal. I have an outdoor lighting control. Now, I, I got new outdoor lights. The, the old outdoor lights had incandescent bulbs. They used a ton of power. The new outdoor lights are all LEDs, so they use less. But the control system draws about 5 watts or so. I mean, it's kind of cool because I can control it on an app, and so I, I minimize when it's running. There's an irrigation control system. I've got a new irrigation control system, but that still draws power. I've, we have a cordless vacuum cleaner that's always plugged in, a clock radio that's plugged in. All right, now getting kind of personal, but we have what's called a Toto washlet. So even the toilet is using power when we're not using it. Pool controls, a pool control system has two old-fashioned clock timers, so they're drawing power. The pool pumps don't draw any power because yet, but, but when they're on, they draw a lot. We've got an air freshener that's this little thing that, that vaporizes some pleasant-smelling chemical. Um, that's, that's, that's a watt. I've got a car charger, and I've got a drill charger. So that kind of adds up to 60 watts. So I add up all these things. I've got 223 total watts of electronics and appliances and gadgets and house infrastructure that are running all the time. And when these things are actually on, you know, Garage door open or air conditioner. When those motors are running or that equipment's running, they draw a lot more power. So here's what this all adds up to. It's insidious. Monthly cost at a 30 cent a kilowatt hour rate. Now that's kind of like the average rate. We're, and, and I'm paying more than that right now. But at a 30 kilowatt hour rate, that works out to monthly costs of $49 and annual costs of $586. So these vampire devices, and I'm kind of careful with them, $586 a year to run them. Now, Here's the bad news. If you're in the, the higher tier rates, if you're in the, the super user rates, which is basically anybody with a bill of over about $120, your marginal rates are $0.49 cents a kilowatt hour. And if I run these numbers at $0.49 cents a kilowatt hour, your monthly costs are almost $80. Your annual costs for all these vampire things, things that are on all the time, $960. It's a lot. You're paying like 80 bucks a month just to run all these appliances. All right. That's not so bad. We, we have solar customers who come to us and say, I can't understand why my electric bill is so big, or they move into a big new house, or they move into an old house with a lot of things, and th their bill is sky high, and they say that they're not running the air conditioner that much, and they hardly ever use the pool, and blah, blah, blah. Then I start poking around. They've got lighting control systems, really fancy lighting control systems. And even though they might have LEDs in a lot of places, these lighting control systems suck a lot of power. So I call it 150 watts all the time. Every little light has power draw, and the transformers have power draw. They really weren't designed originally to be energy efficient. Home security systems. I mentioned I've got you know three of these little cameras plugged in, but it's really easy for you to have a bigger system with more cameras and more sensors and your own hard drive that's going to record things. It's really easy to have 100 or 150 watts of 24-7 power that's being used. All right, now, I only have one old fridge, which isn't great. I should get a new fridge, but we're not doing that yet. And I have a wine cooler, but I used to have a fridge in the garage or a freezer in the garage. There's some people that have these really fancy sub-zero refrigerators or under-counter refrigerators. Those things use a ton of power. Some people have electric hot tubs. Now, boy, you heat up that electric hot tub, it's going to cost you a fortune. All right, now, entertainment systems. That used to be the thing. You'd have a plasma TV. Terrible in terms of energy use. The LEDs are much better, but they still use a lot of power. 
I've seen customers that have really nice digital projectors in an entertainment room. Yeah, we're talking about people that should be able to afford it, but these entertainment rooms are hot even when they're not being used because they've got so much electronics running. The digital projectors use a lot. And then a wine, I have a little wine fridge, but there are people that have like little wine cellars or bigger wine coolers that can add up. So without a doubt, in these new houses or big houses, these large appliances and all these things that are kind of embedded in the house that you don't see, they can add up to 700 or 800 watts 24-7. And these houses are running at the peak electric rate of 49 cents a kilowatt hour. So no surprise that their monthly costs just for running these vampire things. Forget about running the air conditioning and turning the lights on, but just vampire loads. Over $260 a month. Annual costs over $3,000 a month. So that's why you see some houses that they think they're energy efficient, but they use a lot of power. So these big electric hogs, I mean, I've spent time at customers' house, and it's really hard to find them. They're like cockroaches. They're really well hidden. They're built into the house. They're persistent. They're controlling your lights. You can't take them out. They're controlling your heating. Or you've got a lot of appliances plugged in. So here's what I did initially 15 years ago. Get something called a kilowatt meter. It's about 20 bucks. We lend them out to our customers. It's a little rectangular box, you know, kind of a little bit bigger than a cell phone. It's got a display on it. You plug it into the wall, and then you plug the appliance into this kilowatt meter, and then it tells you how much power it's using even when it's off. Fascinating to see how much power you're using when the TV is off versus when the TV is on. Another thing you can do is you can kind of look around for heat because all of that standby power turns into heat. Um, and, and so I kind of open up one of these little uh, utility closets or communication closets or server little closets that people have all their stuff. And you notice that little closet's really hot. They have a little cabinet that the Sonus system is in with the router. That thing's got a fan on it because you've got to ventilate that little cabinet. That's cranking a lot of heat. So if you've got one of these things plugged into the wall and it's warm, just warm, a little tiny thing, it's probably drawing one or two watts. If it's hot, you can kind of feel heat coming from it. It's probably drawing 10 or 20 watts. And then you've got some of these bigger pieces of equipment like like Sonus amplifiers or Lutron lighting systems or security systems or a network hub. Those things could be drawing a lot of power. You'll notice that that area is warm. And that's where you've got to really kind of figure out how to reduce the costs. Okay, now let's start tracking down some of these problem areas. We talked about a bunch of them, but there's a few that I found from customers that are kind of surprising. And these are customers who said, I put in solar and my bill's really, really high. What's wrong? One thing I found several times is that it's an, they have an old or defective air conditioner compressor motor. You know, it's that big cylindrical thing outside that makes noise when the air conditioner turns on. It's the compressor. It condenses the, the coolant, you know, makes things cold. Well, when those things kind of get old and they get jammed, they, they start drawing a lot of power. Sometimes they actually get locked. It, it might not cool. It's just going to hum, and it's going to eat a ton of electricity. So best thing is if you notice that your compressor is making a lot of noise, Get it fixed, and that's going to save. Now, speaking of air conditioning, just keeping the house very cool uses a lot of power. So having a setback thermostat is extremely helpful. And what you do is you turn the temperature up, this is in the summer, make it warmer in the house when you're away at work. So you might have it at 75 degrees or so and you know when you're home on the weekend or, or in the evening. But when you're away at work, basically you can turn the thing off and let it get kind of warmer in the house if, if you need to. That's going to save you a lot of money. And what's really good 
is if you have one of those internet-connected thermostats, like a Nest, because then you can turn the thing completely off. Now, we turn our air heating and our air conditioning completely off when we're away for whatever reason, for a week in our vacation. You know, and for me, I often forget to turn the thing off, and I'm like, at the airport, I'm like, oh, shoot, I forgot to turn the air conditioner off. So that's why these internet-connected things are just really, really handy, because you can do it remotely. And then the other thing I do especially in the winter. When we land, we're coming back from a vacation or a weekend away. We want the house to be warm when we get home. And if we've turned the heating completely off, it takes a few hours to heat up. So I land when I'm an hour or two away, then I turn the heat back on. When I get home, the house is unpleasantly hot, unpleasantly cold in the winter. All right. Now, lots and lots of people have gas heat like me, and they wonder why the electric bill is so high in the winter like me. I have gas heat. Why, why am I still spending so much on electricity? The reason is that the gas heat is run and there's a fan in the furnace. Actually, the furnaces have two fans. The new furnaces have one little fan for the, the combustion chamber and then one bigger fan to blow air around the house. So if that furnace is on for 10 hours a day, cycling on and off every you know half an hour or so, that's going to add up to $50 a month or more. Now, you're going to spend zero for heating in the summer, but when you're running the air conditioner, that same big air handler fan is running, plus you've got a really big motor in the compressor outside. So that's where it can kind of hit. All right. Another thing, pool pumps. Now, we did a whole show on pool pumps a little while ago. You pay your pool guy to keep your pool clean and safe. He doesn't really pay the electric bill. He's focusing on making sure your filter's clean, there's no debris in the pool. And actually, the more the pool cleaner runs, the more the circulating pump runs, pumping that water through the filter, the cleaner the pool's going to be. But the electric bill's going to go up and up. It's proportional to how long those motors run. So there's three things you can do. First thing you can do, is minimize the number of hours that your pool filter pump is running and minimize the number of hours that your cleaner pumps run. So when I moved into this house and we didn't have a pool before, but now we have a pool, the first thing I did is I say, hey, you know, I don't need to run this thing four hours a day, the filter and the the pool cleaner three hours a day. I'm going to run the filter three hours a day and run the pool cleaner one hour a day. You really only need the pool cleaner pump when there's debris kind of falling into the pump from leaves and things like that. You know, in the summer, you don't have a lot of leaves coming down. All right, so that's one. Second, very important. If you're on a time of use rate, a lot of people are, a lot of solar customers are, set your pumps to run during off-peak or partial peak times. Don't run your pool pumps during peak times. Now, it's very sneaky. You've got to be careful because these peak and off-peak times change a lot. And the third thing is get a variable speed pool pump. And these are pool pumps that run much, much more efficiently. I kind of looked at mine in the analysis that I did. $1,400 on a standard one and a half horsepower pool pump based on current electric rates. If you put a variable speed pump in, it's going to cut that down to about $430. And then if you take one step further and run that variable speed pump during off-peak times, which currently on the EV rate is from 11 p.m. to 7 a.m., you're running it at 15 cents instead of like 30 or 46 cents a kilowatt hour. You can cut your pool energy usage, and that's just for the circulating pump, down to about $130. It's a tremendous saving. All right, now, a lot of this is the way in which you use power in your house. When my daughter was home from college earlier in the year, the electric bill almost doubled. I mean, my wife and I were really conservative, but she used more heat because she was there all day. She used more lights. She was watching TV. There was games going on. Now, we really miss her now that she's back in school, but our electric bill is way down. So it's really a lot in the way you actually use your house. Okay, now... 
Perhaps the biggest power hog after your heating and air conditioning and after your pool are old refrigerators. Now, you know, when I kind of run through the numbers, it may not make sense to buy a new energy-efficient fridge, but definitely just kind of look at the numbers. Don't keep all of your old fridges full of food and running if you can avoid it. And the reason is that the refrigerators have gotten tremendously more efficient over the years. 1972... The average refrigerator energy consumption was 2,500 kilowatt hours a year. The new refrigerators, this is, you know, 2018, 2019, new refrigerators, because of Energy Star and all the efforts that were made to reduce the consumption, 500 kilowatt hours a year. Now, my mom's got a fridge, I think, that dates to the 50s, so that's probably using like, well, actually, probably not that much because they were really well insulated then, but still really, really expensive. But the new fridges are great. Now, here's the thing. If you take one of those older 70s or 80s era fridges that were using two or 3,000 kilowatt hours a year and you put it in the garage to store all that old food, yeah, you're going to keep all that food and it's handy to have some unidentified refrigerator object in there that you might need. But those old fridges are going to use a lot of energy. You've got to run the numbers yourself. But it's almost worth considering getting rid of that old refrigerator in the garage and then putting in maybe a smaller, more efficient one, especially with high, high electric rates. I mean, when you're looking at 49 cents a kilowatt hour for electricity, it really changes the math on upgrading appliances. And these new fridges are bigger. They maintain the temperatures better. They have more convenience features, and that's good. Now, speaking of fridges, also look into wine coolers or wine refrigerators. Unfortunately, when I replace mine, There's really no information about finding one that's more efficient. What I did find is that some of them have compressors in them, and some of them have solid-state coolers, which are very quiet, but these solid-state coolers operate much less efficiently than kind of the old-fashioned compressors. All right. Now, we talked a lot about the obvious energy hogs in your house. You know, we talked about all these little plug devices that are there. What you can do with all these plugged-in devices, these vampire devices, is try and find a way to unplug them. Now, probably not worth going around and unplugging your little 1-watt USB chargers, but what you definitely should do is figure out a way to conveniently disconnect the bigger devices, like your TV and your cable modem and your entertainment systems. I mean, boy, my... My old gas plasma TV was using like 40 watts. You can feel it was warm even when it was off. You have one of those old cathode ray tubes. If it's not in a museum yet, those things use a lot of power. So unplug it from the wall instead of just turn it off. Or what's better, because I don't like to kind of go into a wall behind a cabinet and plug things in every time. It's a pain in the neck. So what you do instead is you get one of those remote control power strips. I got them on Amazon. I've been using them for almost 15 years. They're really convenient. There's a little tiny remote control thing. It's got a lithium battery. I've never had one of these batteries die. You push this little remote control that's like next to your end table where you've got all your remote controls. And that little remote control will turn everything on that's plugged into the power strip. So really, really convenient. So I push a button and then that turns on the TV. It turns on the cable TV box and it turns on the the amplifier. Otherwise, all of the times, those devices are completely disconnected. And the other good thing about these power strips, they usually have one or two outlets on them that are always on. So I'll leave my house router and my security system router always plugged into that. You might want to leave your DVR always plugged in and running. Okay. Lighting. 
Pretty much everybody knows that you've got to replace all those incandescents to LEDs. It's a no-brainer. You can't even buy regular old-fashioned light bulbs. But I did find in my house a lot of these little chandelier bulbs that are drawing 40 watts, and I replaced those with you know 4-watt LEDs. And they weren't going to burn out, but I'd save a lot there. Now, don't forget about your outdoor lighting. The old outdoor lighting systems use low-voltage halogen bulbs, and they draw a lot of power. So consider changing out to an LED lighting system. The wiring will be the same but you may need a new control box. All right. Now, some luxuries are going to be hard to do without. You're very proud about your Sonos music system, but that thing's running 24-7. You might have a bunch of self-powered speakers and remote controllers that are plugged into things all over the place. Well, you might be stuck with those. Lutron lighting systems embedded inside the house. They're embedded in a utility cabinet somewhere. They draw a lot of power. I don't know what you can do about that. Your entertainment system. So, you know, definitely think about a remote control power strip. If you have a projection TV or a, an LCD, projector. Make sure that thing's not plugged in all the time. Um, Get a remote control power strip for that. Old servers and routers humming away in a data closet. Yeah, you can save some money by getting rid of those. I know it's going to be expensive to kind of get everything working again, and then everybody's reluctant to fix it if it's working, but that's a possibility. And look for gadgets that are using a lot of power. You can tell because they're warm even when they're off. Okay, to wrap up, there's a lot you can do about high electric bills. So homes that use a lot of power usually have a lot of things plugged in 24-7. And solar is definitely going to help with that, but you know, we like to encourage our customers to do some energy efficiency things first. What I found is once you've done the LED lighting and and tightened up some of these vampire loads, the next best thing you can do is solar. Okay, that's all the time we have on this week's Energy Show. Thanks to all of our listeners for tuning in. And if you miss any of today's show, you can go to our website at cinnamon.energy and listen to the podcasts.